In 2003, Greg Gutfeld was the editor-in-chief at Stuff Magazine. And when he heard that he had to attend a seminar on the theme, What Gives a Magazine Buzz, he called a local casting agency and (laughs) hired three dwarfs. Editors from all the major magazines in the country, including Rolling Stone, Glamour, Oprah Magazine, would be at that seminar. They wanted to know about creating buzz. Gutfeld gave them a lesson in creating buzz. He instructed the three dwarfs actors to be excessively loud to eat potato chips as their phones rang and rang until they loudly accepted the call the stunt pretty much got him fired but that's who he is greg gutfeld is a man of disruption for the last decade and a half you can find greg on fox news weekdays as a co-host of the five and saturdays the greg gutfeld show which is consistently outranking every single one of greg's late night talk show rivals on cbs nbc and ABC. Colbert, Kimmel, Fallon. He's always beating them. Before that, he was a staff writer at Prevention, then editor-in-chief at Men's Health and editor-in-chief at Stuff Magazine, then Maxim UK. Andrew Breitbart once said of Gutfeld, trust me, you don't want him setting his sights on your hypocrisy and public failings. Consider yourself warned. Best of all, he makes you laugh when he does it. He does satire his way, full of subversion. Satire is the weaponization of humor, a tactical fusing of comedy and politics. Add the media into this mix and you've got the potential for something especially powerful or nasty, sometimes both at the same time. Satire involves adding judgment and attack to humor. Political satire blends journalism into the mix, adding a sense of authority to the humor. Greg Gutfeld takes it a step further. Not only is he political, he's libertarian, performing his satire on Fox News. He is an endangered species. Saturday Night Live creator Lorne Michaels has said Saturday Night Live lambasts Republicans more because Democrats tend to take it personally and Republicans think it's funny. He mocks the sacred cows of the left. He mocks the right. His satire and commentary have never been more important than they are right now. And his show Red Eye with Greg Gutfeld, which aired late night on Fox TV from 2007 to 2015. I should say Fox Fox News TV. It's a cult classic of the notoriously liberal late night comedy genre. Mark Twain said humor is mankind's greatest blessing. Lately, the left is all too happy to ruin all the fun for everybody with their constant nannying and outrage. Not only are left-leaning audiences unable to laugh at themselves, they're unable to laugh at a growing list of topics that they now deem offensive. Of course, there's a difference between offensive and unfunny. It's one thing to uh, to dislike a joke because you find it unfunny. That's one thing. But the progressive argument against humor is instead they consider it offensive. Gutfeld doesn't care. He has literally offended Canada, the country. Please welcome Greg Gutfeld to the Glenn Beck Podcast. So, Greg, out of all of the, out of all of the people that I that I worked with, you were the last person that I thought would write a self help book. I am the last person I would think would write a self-help book, which is why I did it. And the irony of this, Glenn, is that I kind of started out this way when I was working at Prevention Magazine and Men's Health. I was writing 
health advice for middle-aged to elderly people at the age of 25, drinking every night and <laughs> doing God knows what else, smoking a right. media pack day i'm giving advice to little old ladies so now i'm now i'm almost a little old lady but a man i feel like i've accumulated <laughs> so much wisdom that i can actually share it with people and it would be a crime glenn if i kept it inside me right no i i i appreciate that i appreciate that so uh let me ask you this the the five o'clock hour at Fox changed me. Uh, I mean, I went on and I just I did uh, I did a great show and did what I you know did do best. And uh, when I got out, I realized uh, not everybody took it that way. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> it was it was so divisive when I didn't intend yes. it to be divisive. Um, and it was so divisive. Are you kind of going through the same thing to where you in being in cable news and you're seeing the divisiveness and you're just like, I, I don't want to be a part of any of this. Well, I'm, I've always tried to be kind of above uh, the prison of two ideas or the, or the, uh, the team sport politic where like you're um, either pro environment or you're for nuclear power. I believe you can be for nuclear power and be pro-environment. So the, this prison of two ideas is what the news does to us. It puts us in these places where it's like, um, I'm for, you're either for law and order or you're for peaceful protests. No, I'm actually for law and order and peaceful protests. <laughs> I just don't like right. the violence. So, 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 so it's like right. what happens is you're always constantly fighting this, this, this weird beast that wants to put you in these boxes and then set you loose to attack. And I've always been, I think, you know, ever since red eye and, and I've always been trying to be above that, but sometimes you just get sucked back into it. I was just thinking about when you were talking about your show, I will never forget the episode when you drenched Bill Schultz with water, pretending it was gasoline. <laughs> you, you originally had asked me to be the person and I wisely, yeah. wisely backed away and I'll be on Glenn Beck's show because I couldn't do it because I was I had to get ready for something. And Bill goes, I'll do it, I'll do it. And I go, okay, that's great. Bill, Bill Schultz is gonna be on the Glenn Beck show. And he gets on there and you have like, you have like a gasoline can and I think it's still on, I think it's still online. But I want to compliment. Can I compliment you on something? Do you mind if I compliment? Sure. No. Yeah. The, go ahead. I think the um, the 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 uh, the way your show was shaped is going to be kind of a future for education online, which is that you take somebody who's charismatic, who's educating you, as opposed to school teachers who are people sitting. They, we need to marry a talent of persuasion with. Uh, knowledge of books and philosophy and history. And I think that the way that the show was built, I always think about the idea of how education is going to be different online. I've been thinking about this forever. It's driving me crazy. Do you do Peloton at all? The bike Peloton? <laughs> do I look like I do Peloton? No. You know, I, was worried, do do I don't do Peloton because the seat hurts my ass so badly. It does hurt, but yeah. I get used to you know, it's funny. I can get used to just about. But you know what the thing is? The reason why Peloton is so great is that they took the gym and brought it into your home through the use of charismatic, talented performers. Imagine taking the school 
into your home using talented performers. The Peloton model is the future of education. And it's like, whether it's you or Jordan Peterson, I'm trying to think of people that, like uh, uh, an Eric Weinstein to talk about math, mm-hmm. Brett Weinstein to talk mm-hmm. about biology, uh, and, and, um, and you to talk politics, me to talk about nothing, because I have no expertise. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing at but all. I, and yet... And yet you have a top 10 best-selling book and you have nothing at all to say. Do you know, do you think, I mean, at least, do you think having a top 10 book right now is the same as it was like five years ago or 10 years ago? I mean, if I can just sell 10 books, Glenn, I think I'm number eight on Amazon, right? Yeah, I know. It's, it's, (laughs) it's crazy. I remember to be number one, you'd have to sell, you know, a million books. When I first got in, it took million to to be able to make an impression now they're like four people that are reading books and you know if one of them is on vacation i don't know what happens to the list yeah exactly by the way the one way to beat this is just to be mary trump or anybody with a trump book i can't believe that sold a million copies like who i don't know a single person maybe i'm in a bubble but i don't know a single person who paid for that book i know people who got it for free but I don't know anybody. And then the, those books explode and they go away. Do you notice this? Like even the um, what's the dude's name? Bolton. The book comes out. Poo. And then it just like floats away into the ether and waiting for the next one. And uh, I don't know. I, I tell you, there is a there's something about time that is uh, that has happened where yes. like didn't the primaries feel like that was, I don't know, a decade ago. There's something about time where everything is so accelerated, you can't keep track of of actual time. You can't gauge time anymore. I have. So I have a theory. Okay, so if you didn't have time, like let's say time didn't exist, then everything in the world would happen at once. Right. Everything would happen at once. Uh, Abraham Lincoln would be shot in a theater uh, while uh, we land on the moon. So everything's happening at once. The, pro- the reason why things are happening, it feels like this, is because Trump has accelerated time, so it feels like everything is happening at once. So, like, yesterday, he he ran through, like, 17 topics, and everybody's, like, scribbling and stuff, and it's like, and all these reporters are exhausted. They didn't have to work this hard under Obama because they liked him, but they got to work <laughs> super hard. They got to work super hard for this the orange Godzilla, but the thing is, the orange Godzilla has compressed events into time. It's like a, it's like a, a, how you turn, you turn coal into a diamond. Is that what it is? I, or is it the reverse? Yeah. I don't know. No. <laughs> you don't have a job with De Beers in your future either. Uh, so, uh, so uh, do you think it's, do you think it's him or, I mean, I'm watching stuff, Greg, now that I, I mean, I couldn't believe the stuff that was being said and done, you know, in 2008, Right. This has this has become uh, there. I'm you're you're being asked to deny what you know, to deny your eyes. You know, this peaceful protest thing. They're on the streets. The city is burning behind them and they're saying eh, it's another peaceful protest. Yeah. And they do this stupid bait and switch thing. 
where they go like uh, whenever you're talking about the police, you like you go, they'll always go, you know, this is about freedom of speech. And they go, yeah, that's why the police are there. They're trying to get the violent protesters. Yeah, but they're attacking peaceful protesters. No, they're not. They keep doing this bait and switch. But to your point, Mm -hmm. we are being told to deny things that we see because they don't like what they see. So it's like like if CNN believes that they, these should be peaceful protests because they're, they're kind of embarrassed by their own side, uh, then they will actually say this. And if you disagree, you're crazy. I hate to use the word gaslighting because it's so overused. But the liberal media, and I hate saying liberal media. Doesn't that sound very 2005? <laughs> the liberal, you know, uh, Glenn, this liberal media, this liberal media is, is behind all of this. Uh, Barack Hussein Obama and the liberal media. It's the gaslighting the public. And the only thing I think is that maybe they believe it. Like maybe Brian Stelter really does believe the stuff that he's doing, which is that's the cognitive dissonance that we I think that I think you and I have kind of gone on the same path of understanding cognitive dissonance and how it changes and affects the way you look at things or the filters in which you yes. look, which allows you to realize when you're wrong. I've realized I've been wrong. You, I've seen you do the same thing. You go like, ah, I made a mistake. And it's a very freeing thing to admit is. when you're wrong. It's the best feeling in the world. It's like skydiving or, or uh, jumping off a cliff into a tiny pond. I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> I don't either. But that's uh, uh, if you hit the water, I guess that's a good thing. Most times you wonder if you're going to hit the little tiny pond. Um, exactly. But it, it is it is, you know, I in 2016, I reached out when all of these journalists said, what happened? I mean, you know, maybe, I mean, how could we be this wrong? And they all said that they wanted to find out what was really going on. They had no intention at all. No, no. intention. And yeah. I'm watching it now. I, 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 mean, I saw the, the uh, Bill Barr hearings. Right. Amazing. I, they didn't even want to hear him. It was, uh, you know, put a cardboard cutout of him. It was incredible. It was incredible. And he and, you, and so then you watched the press. I was watching Stephanie Rule on MSNBC saying, like, what can we do to Bill Barr for his like offensive display like that? He was ta- they, they were actually accusing him of talking over specifically the women. He's talking over, like, did you see how he treated them with disrespect? And there were no people of color in his staff. And it's like, by God, so the cognitive dissonance. <laughs> they, watched what, they watched everything that we watched, and they can't see what we saw. Instead, they saw, I know. They saw, uh, and they saw an arrogant, mean criminal. That's the way they, they said. Uh, Stephanie Rule was like saying something like, what can we do to punish him? And so get this. This is the scary part. You're watching a witch trial. In which instead of, of siding with the lone individual that came voluntarily, they are siding mm-hmm. with the, the posse. They're actually siding with a mob in suits. And it's weird how, much, how similar that hearing was to what you see in Portland, which is the intolerance of any viewpoint. So, to- so they yell and they scream and they have horns and they drown out any, uh, all voices. How is that different than the hearing? That's what's happening on the street. You know, so 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 great. So where where do we go from here? Because honestly, I mean, I've always had belief in the American people, but 
the American people seem to be quiet. They're not saying much. I'm 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 thinking that maybe in November they're going to, you know, just yes. quietly go to the polls. Um, but what we are when you have when you have doctors being told, don't you dare prescribe this medicine, yeah. even though it, it'll work for some, it won't work for everybody. Yeah. It's it's completely safe, been over the counter for like 40 years. Exactly. What the hell is happening to us? What is happening? There's so many there's so many pieces to this. Number one, Donald Trump complimenting something is the reverse of the good housekeeping seal of approval for the media. Yeah. So if he had it said hydroxy hydroxychloroquine is bad and I would never take it, it would be the number one drug. And then get this. So they hate it. They hate it because he liked it. But then they demand that he endorse masks. What? Yes. Wouldn't you want him not to endorse masks since you, <laughs> since you didn't want him to endorse the drug? Like, be consistent. It's, it is crazy <laughs> that they are everything they accuse him of. They're doing you can watch the you can watch them in their press conferences now and they'll yeah. say Donald Trump is doing that's, this or Donald Trump is setting this up. And you're like, no, that's you. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm watching the people behind you build the machine right now. Another another great example is the uh, uh, the fact that he allowed the states to decide when to come back. in yeah. phases. That's not an right. autocrat. So they should now, no. now but they, they, they call him like, how dare he just not not dictate the absolute plan? Well, if he had done that, <laughs> you would have called him an autocrat. He's a dictator. Yeah, he's a dictator. Yeah. But um, it, 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 it's kind of scary. It's scary. It's a weird time. Do we do we do we turn around? Um, do we turn around from this? OK, so to your point, like how America seems like they're very low key. I, I do think that maybe. We are closer to the fire than America is. And like uh, people are still going out. They're still like politics isn't part of their entire life. Social justice warriors, it's all their life. But maybe there's 10,000 of them. I like to think there's no more. My solution is always that we need to share the risk. That means even somebody that you don't like is getting canceled. You have to defend them. I've done that every single time I see somebody getting canceled. You know, it's we have to do that. And, and it's like, it doesn't matter. And it, you know what? That person might not do it for you, but it doesn't matter. But the other thing, though, is like, okay, there's two schools of thought. Share the risk, forgive, be, do the right thing. But then there's kind of the Breitbart angle. And I always get in fights with the guys at Breitbart. Mutually assured destruction. They will not cancel you if you can cancel them. And, it's, and, and they're kind of right. And I, but I don't want I, I, to like, I play the game, but I do realize that if somebody goes to your place of work uh, on Twitter and says, I want Glenn Beck fired from PG&E, you should be able to find out where that person works and do the same thing because you have to make it costly. Now, sharing the risk, which is the altruistic way, makes it costly for the canceler. The mutually assured destruction uh, strategy makes it even more costly. The question is whether you want yeah. to go that route. You know what I mean? Well, you know, I, I've 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 been the same with you. I uh, peaceful protests, all of that stuff. Uh, but if you read Martin Luther King, he said if it wasn't for boycotts, it wouldn't have had enough teeth. 
Right. I mean, so, yeah. you know, he, he was a believer in that as well. And I'm not I'm a I'm a free market guy. I'm more of a libertarian than anything else. And it's like, I don't want to mess with your life. Don't mess with my life. I don't you don't like it. Just don't use it. But it, when your enemy is, you know, doing what they're doing, I yeah. mean, when they are going after they're eating their own and I can't believe that. Like people like Ellen. What the hell? Ellen now is an enemy. I mean, I consider myself the Ellen of the rights. And I, I just think I'm dead. But I, so I want to tell you, I think you're going to like that. I had an epiphany a couple of days ago. I think you're going to like this. And you're welcome to use it, Glenn, anytime you want. Do you know that I believe that cancel culture is the first ever workaround on the First Amendment? Because remember when people w- we would talk about freedom of speech and they go, well, the First Amendment guarantees you the freedom of speech. So you shouldn't be scared. Okay, well, no, actually, the freedom of speech doesn't protect me from my career being ruined and my livelihood destroyed or me getting mm-hmm. so depressed that I commit suicide. The cancel culture is the first successful workaround of freedom of speech. It can suppress your speech under the threat, the scepter, is that the word? The scepter of your destruction. We don't have freedom of speech anymore. The only people who no, do are don't. social justice warriors. It's incredible. Well, here's here's what's really frightening, Greg, I think, is that they they have. What'd you say? A great epiphany. I'd like to. It's a great epiphany. (laughs) It's a great epiphany. Um, the, The the problem is the one thing I don't think the founders saw was corporations becoming more powerful than the state. And so the Constitution doesn't work for anything if the state is is subservient to tech because that's the public square i mean it's it's over it's over and and get this and get this they if if the corporation that you work for all powerful they have to virtue signal up the wazoo they have to do everything that is demanded upon them by the diversity committees that they hire and everything because they don't it's not worth it to them to get into a, a tussle on Twitter. So if uh, Greg Gutfeld says something like "All Lives Matter," or "Blue," or or, or "Where's a a, a blue, blue live blue lives matter," they would rather just fire you and pay you off than actually share the risk and support you because to them, as a corporation, it's more profitable if they just genuflect or kneel before the altar of social justice, which is why you see so much. Uh, bizarre, not biz- yeah, bizarre rhetoric uh, in corporations now. When you see in mission statements, you know it's it's like this doesn't mean anything, and it helps no one. You know, no one. I'd I'd like to have the CEO. I'd like the CEOs of these giant corporations to tell me what they, as a corporation, have done. I want them yeah. to make a public confession because yeah. they're like, oh, we've got, we've really the the, the CEO doesn't care. He's making twenty million dollars a year. He's going off. He's jetting wherever he wants. Meanwhile, he traps everybody in the corporation with some social justice warrior who is making everybody cry and say how bad of a white person there are he's gone he yes, doesn't exactly. care i want that guy i want that guy to do public confessions yes exactly i'm by the way i'm okay with charity fund runs fundraisers all that good stuff blood giving blood all the company stuff that they used to do but now it's become this yeah. um 
it's become a protective machinery because the, the corporation itself has become cowardly. So they need this is now a, a thing that protects them, but not you. And they will like, by the way, I'm not I'm not in any way talking about Fox. Fox, Fox you know, will stay like, believe me, they come after. Uh, we, uh, we won't get into that. <laughs> yeah, let's just leave it. Just leave it alone. <laughs> I've walked in that minefield before. Leave yeah, it just, alone. I just decided. Just, 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 wait a minute. I better shut up at this point. I, I know not what I. I know not what I speak. Yeah. The reason why. Okay, I'm. I'm not in the same position you are, or Dave Rubin, or Joe Rogan, or Adam Carolla. Yeah. The original, probably the original. You guys cannot be canceled. Because you are your own thing. I work for a corporation. I, you know, Fox supports me, and I, I really believe that they support me. Um, but I'm not, you know, I'm not immune. You're, I mean, you're immune. Uh, all, oh, all no. the people that I met, Shapiro, all of you guys, like, and I, and I put my, I put my toe in that, in that water. But I liked working at a company because I had these shows and it was fun. But the yeah. putting, like, getting into that pond or that ocean. And, and making your own island seems to be the only way to survive this. So it's really funny because um, Dave, you know, Dave has connected with the blaze. Ben and I do a lot of stuff together and we talk all the time. We're yeah. not protected. Nobody is anymore because the, the algorithms, they they change the algorithms and our audience just goes away. I mean, it's really? amazing how, yeah, they can they can just make you invisible. They wow. just deperson you. You look at you look at what Gab look at what Gab did. Mm -hmm. What Gab happened to, to them? They they start this thing. They believe in freedom of speech. You're going to get dirt bags on when you say any speech is you're going to get dirt bags there. They get blamed for it. They have been they have the company has been demonetized, been shut out, lost its platform. They can't make transactions. And now MasterCard and Visa are going after the owners of Gab personally, depersonal uh, depersoning them so wow. they can't have banking services. It's it's a scary world. I didn't know that. So that's that's now that's new to me is that they can actually go after the way you do business. So even as an autonomous oh, business yeah. person, they can they can screw you screw with your crap. That's I didn't know that. I oh my god! Just like because the no the banks are now getting involved, and it's a lot of it is is Cuomo. He started doing this with the gun manufacturers and the gun stores. So now they're just doing it to anybody who is, they don't like. If you say things that they don't like, they're not going to do business with you. So you can't do any transactions. I mean, it's it's really terrifying if this doesn't come back around and get back into control. So there's a, there's always this thing where like, well, you know what? You guys got to start your own thing. It's like it's like uh, start your own Twitter. People don't understand like that network. When a network is built, everybody just uses the network where everybody is. And it's like so you're watching Parlor, which is a noble adventure. And I love Dan Bongino. But when you have something that mm. like if all your friends are on Facebook or all your friends are on Twitter or all your friends use MasterCard, you're not going to. Can you start your own conservative uh, uh, credit card company? I don't know. But it's like it seems like you are. There's no way other than I don't know what you do. It's a very I, I never thought about this. I mean, I it, honestly I, I thought about it this uh, this summer with some uh, smarter people than me. And and we think the only 
company or the only organization that could do it possibly, but they've been weakened so badly is the NRA. The NRA has enough members where they could say, we're going to establish, we're establishing a bank. And yeah. if you want to get out of the system, it's the NRA credit card, et cetera, et cetera. But then they have to go to the stores and convince those stores to take that credit card, which yeah. they'll be blocked. Exactly. That it'll, they'll immediately be targeted and they'll fold like, you know, any any uh, business does. Um, I was thinking I thought you were going to say something like Peter Thiel and PayPal, uh, because he's oh, yeah. definitely one of the one of the exceptions in all of this. Uh, um, he's a by good the way, guy. NRA, yeah, he really is something else. I met him once, though. He is he is socially unusual. I can't, or maybe he just didn't like me. <laughs> maybe he didn't no, like me. He's, I, I think he's on the I think he's on the scale. I mean, I think he's yeah. I think he's one of those guys who is so bright um, and so he, he's yeah. he's just on the he's just on the scale. He he's an amazing guy. Have you ever read? So what I, I he turned me on to when I was listening. To, I watched uh, YouTube. This is why YouTube is so great, by the way. Uh, he was talking about Rene Girard. I'd never heard of him. He's a kind of a Catholic uh, philosopher, um, French philosopher. Don't know. And there's like five. There's like five lectures. And so Peter Thiel was talking, I think, to Peter Robinson and Uncommon Knowledge. And they started talking about Rene Girard. And I started like listening to these lectures and it is really amazing how it's how he predicted it's all it's all about scapegoating and what happened to Christ. And it's it's an interesting thing because I'm agnostic, but it was like I I'd never like I went to 12 years of Catholic school. No one ever taught me this about the the meaningful the, the, the meaning of scapegoating, why Christ was crucified. I never knew any of this stuff. And I went to 12 years of Catholic school. Hmm. And I got that. I got that through Peter Thiel being interviewed by somebody else. I think it was Peter Robinson. It's pretty. It, it's it, anyway, that was an aside that I was thinking of when I just uh, I just thought it was interesting. <laughs> you know, I saw I saw that you um, uh, described yourself as a agnostic atheist, which if that's accurate, I love that. It, it it means you don't believe there is a God, but I don't know, right? Yeah, exactly. It, it was like something. It was something that was uh, given to me. Like I'd never heard that phrase. In fact, I, I, if somebody said, "Oh, you're an agnostic atheist," in an interview, and that got picked up by Wikipedia, there's things in yeah, as you know in Wikipedia that aren't aren't about you or are true. But I've, I've n I never actually uttered agnostic atheist. I am part of the I don't know party. I love thinking mm -hmm. about it, though. I love thinking about it all the time. You know, I talk I, I, I've talked about it on the shows about simulations. And if you start thinking about simulations, the fact that this could be a simulation, you're still talking about a creator. You're still talking about a God. It's just in a different con. It, it's in a different context. But it's always going to be that like the turtles all the way down. If, if there is this this uh, creator, then what created that? And it keeps and could there something just mm -hmm. always be there? So it, it, to me. Being an atheist, being an atheist is a waste of time because it's blocking you from thinking about these amazing yeah. things that then open up little portals, you know? Yeah, I, I some of the smartest people I know, um, uh, I think even Penn Jillette has said that yeah. he's becoming more of an agnostic. He's an atheist, but he's, you know, if 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 it appeared you know, um, and you could see it and touch it and feel it. He would he would change his mind. That, that That's the difference, I think, is is somebody who's not rock solid in 
in anything. You know, I was talking to Peter Bogosian and Penn Jillette, I And I think you would agree because you've probably known him longer than I have. He is one of those people that influences you to always question your uh, your strongest beliefs because he does. I, I feel like he does that every day. All the time. And, and yeah. so I like I've always when I'm around him, I can change my mind almost like in a second. And it's not because I'm weak. It's because I'm willing to like think about something I didn't want to think about. Um, he does email me now and again. Really, he's about Trump. He's really upset about Trump. And I don't, I talk, I, we, we go through this whole thing. He's, I think his experience with Trump on the, the apprentice was like not good because he's. Yeah. So I, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, Trump is not the guy. I mean, I wasn't for Trump. Um, Neither was I. And I thought he would. Yeah. And I thought he would be a disaster. And as it yeah. turns out, everything that he said he was going to do, he's pretty much done uh, yeah. or at least really attempted to do. Um, and and everything they uh, that I thought he would do. He hasn't. I mean, my the last yes. thing that stood in the way was I said in 2016, the last year we are going to have some dramatic setback and we're going to go into a depression. And that guy will be more FDR than FDR. Mm -hmm. He didn't do it. He yeah, hasn't yeah. done it. I mean, I, so I don't know. Yeah. You know, it, what's interesting is I said this on the five as a criticism of him. I said the guy's the most liberal Republican since Rockefeller. And I said that, and I think the lib libs and the Dems have to admit prison reform and I, I, from a Republican. And also he doesn't yeah. mind spending money. He does not mind spending money. We've noticed <laughs> that. So no, he's, a, no. he's got, he like, he enjoys it. He enjoys signing the checks. So I, th but the thing is I'm, I was like you, I was, when we had options and on the five, we were so heated on that show during this, I was like super critical. And then when he became president, I had I erased the slate and I said, OK, I'm going to yep, start over too. from now on. Just look at the deeds. Look at what he does. Yep. Don't don't yep. don't keep going over his tweets and let, let everybody else do that. And then you start watching what he's doing. And when he when he reversed the climate accord, I was like, yes, that was like, OK, yes. he, he I go, he's got me. He's got me on that one. And then there was just other things he did. I'm not I, I think that. The prison reform thing was noble and sentimental and and maybe uh -huh. it was right. But I don't I don't know if I would have done it. But that's but the left should be like, you know, um, what's his name on um, CNN, who I really like. Now, nah, I can't remember his name. Damn it. Who like got a lot of crap for saluting Trump for prison reform. And he worked for Obama. And I can't think of Van his name. Jones. Van, Van Jones. Jones. So Van Jones, a very open minded, probably the probably. Uh, Probably the most interesting person at CNN, in my view, because you never know what, where he's going to zig or zag. And like mm -hmm. Ken always says, he likes people that when you when you give him two political like if, if, if you give Penn two of your political stances, he can't guess a third one. That's what that's what uh, Penn says. And it's like that's how you judge people. It's like if I take two of your things, and I go. I don't know what he really I don't know where he would go with this one, because these two things are so different. He's for decriminalization, mm -hmm. but he's pro-life. Like I'm pro-life in decriminalization. What's the third thing? You know, I don't know. Right. <laughs> so uh, is is Biden going to be the president? I don't know, because I think I think. Uh, oh, God, I think it's I think it's going to be Trump just because I cannot. I believe that the silent 
we had a we had a silent majority in 2016. That majority only got bigger because it's more dangerous to say what you're for now. And when when it's more dangerous to say what you're for, I think you say what you're for silently. <laughs> but that but yeah. I mean I I was wrong in 2016. I thought that Hillary. That was an amazing night. I thought Hillary was going to walk away with it. She had that the New York Times ticker had it at like 98%. And then yeah. I'm sitting at the bar. Yeah. I'm supposed to work at Fox. I was supposed to be on at midnight. And I'm just watching the ticker go down. And I go like, this can't be. I don't understand. And I wasn't, actually, I, was, <laughs> I wasn't happy about it because I'd already made my plans. I'd already made my plans based on mm. Hillary. I already knew how. And then all of a sudden, that, I go like, wow. I go, this is now totally different. And I, and it's, and I did not, and the only, like, I, the only person I know that saw that coming was Scott Adams was like, and it's like, I, and I, and so I, that's when I started, I started listening to his podcast every day. Cause I go, that guy got this mm. right. You know? And, and um, yeah, but I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? Have you, well, I just, uh, you know, I saw a video of, of uh, Biden get up and in Delaware uh, welcome people to some nursing home that he used to work at or whatever he was at. And it was terrifying. It was the weirdest thing. He, okay, if you're making a joke about memory loss, which is a, a, a problem with you, that's not a joke to make. And it wasn't, I don't think it was a joke. It was weird. It was like he, it no, was, just, it, it, was a, no. it was, it was, it was befuddlement and it was sad. I'm Look, using it that was, my show. Greg, it was, it, it was, he is one step away from driving the lawnmower on the freeway. Yeah. Um, great movie. Uh, that's, that's what happened. Great movie. That's what. What? There's a movie <laughs> David Lynch. David Lynch directed about a guy who drives across country on a lawnmower. It's a great film. I can't well, remember the name. This was my grandfather. Uh, when he started going senile, we took the keys of the car away. Right, and exactly. he he's like, I'm not I'm not senile. I'm not senile. And we finally found him one day on his riding lawnmower on the freeway. Yeah. Uh, and 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 that's where this is ending. This I mean, yeah. he is really one step away. And I can't believe somebody in the family doesn't just say, hey, everybody back off my dad. Okay. Yeah. He's clearly slipping. He shouldn't be in front of people. Stop it right now. I, I, it's, it's embarrassing and sad. He has a doctor as a spouse and you know, I mean, you know, I'm just putting that out there, but you know, um, <laughs> you just uh, yeah, but do you know what's interesting? Um, he might be like, he's not that much older than everybody else there. He might make it, through but the vp is going to be the p if he wins the vp is the p which i think is going to be kamala harris and i think that yeah, he, he will gracefully bow out in four to six months and everybody's going to he's going to be hero to the dems for winning the election and uh and ushering in a democrat and uh, a young vibrant um woman of color so it'd be he, he will be a hero that's the only way i say it because i do think I, you know it's interesting I, you do see him being treated gingerly by the press, because I think we all feel a little bit sorry for him when it when these things happen. It's not like it's like the opposite of Trump. Trump's mistakes yeah. are based on energy and energy and pure force. It's like it's not like he's slow. It's like he's too fast. And yeah. so it's easy to kind of make fun of. But you can't with Biden. It's hard because, you know, that it's like we all know people. We all have people in our yeah, families. 
you know it's our grandparents yeah. or our parents yeah. we we've yep. watched it and it's yep. and it's tragically sad all right i'm gonna just take a quick break here and just tell you uh some uncomfortable things think of me in underpants Okay. Nobody wants to think of that. Nobody. I don't know why Tommy John is doing an ad because everybody's like, oh, ick. Uh, no, please don't make Glenn talk about underpants. But I'm going to. I'm going to. Tommy John is always working towards tomorrow, working towards a uh, the next innovation. With summer in full swing, Tommy John is proud to announce their new essentials guarantee to redefine comfort no matter how hot it is outside. If you're looking for maximum support for your manhood, I mean, this is not making my children uncomfortable. You have to try Tommy John's new hammock pouch. They took. I mean, I don't want to think about Ben Shapiro when he's talking about his under uh, his underpants. I, I, I anyway, they took everything amazing about their number one customer favorite super soft second skin and added a hammock shaped pouch for your boys made from ultralight breathable anti odor air mesh fabric. And for the ladies, Tommy John has brand Brand new comfort soothing fabric used in both their super supportive bralettes and underpants. My grandmother used to say underpants. I'm just more comfortable with underpants because it just always makes me laugh. But they sell underwear. Okay. While shapewear is hot and restrictive, comfort smoothing is breathable and lightweight. And it accentuates what you love and smooths what you don't really want visible. Upgrade to Tommy John today with enhanced designs that are super breathable, Way more comfortable than anything out there. Think of me in underpants. Tommy John. They're so confident in their underwear that if you don't love your first pair, you get a full refund with the best pair you'll ever wear or it's free guarantee. Tommy John. No adjustment needed. For a limited time, go to TommyJohn.com slash Beck. Get 20% off your first order. That's TommyJohn.com slash Beck. 20% off now. TommyJohn.com slash Beck. Let me at least spend a couple of minutes trying to help you sell a book. Uh, I love talking to you yeah. about anything, but yeah, the book is doing great. Uh, you know, it's it's a it's a self help book. But ask me a, ask me a question because um, I'm 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 better at answering them than like talking about the book. But ask all right, me about so them. did you spend most of your time uh, drunk on on Twitter? Is that because that seems to play a role at the. I did an experiment because uh, I wanted to see if there's a difference between tweets when you're drinking and not tweets, not drinking with tweets. And I found that it's only the only difference is in quantity, not in quality. They're still the same. There's no difference. But I just do more of them, which is the equivalent of saying, like, I'm not going to die parachuting unless I keep parachuting over and over again. So it increases your likelihood of losing your job. And the irony is you're not even being paid to do it. And I find yeah. that totally stupid. So I, I realized that uh, I used the Covington kid thing as an example that I was at a I was at a uh, a bar uh, at brunch on Saturday and I'm watching the thing unfold. And I'm like, when you have a few glasses of wine, you think you're extra clever and you take extra risks. And I'm watching it and I jump the gun. I go, ah, oh, wow, this kid. Yeah, and, and also, you know what played into it? A cynical kind of um, strategy of like, you know what, if I police my side then i look mm -hmm. better and i yeah. can police it. like i if i if i slap this little our uh, uh, pro-life kid that shows that yep. i'm even-handed and the fact is yeah. you know so i think i said that he needs to go home and be grounded or spanked by his parents anyway i immediately realized i'm wrong i changed the whole thing but i left the tweet up because i think you should leave him up but i wrote about it i did a monologue on my idiocy 
but the whole thing happened because I was, you know, having a glass of, uh, I was having like my third glass of rosé, a very manly drink. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> it is. And, um, but I felt like, I, and so the thing is, and then, and then I, like a couple hours later, I'm going, ah, that was stupid. And I realized I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have done that if I was sober. So that's the answer. Yeah. So, you, you, so the, but the, the name of the book is The Plus, and your, your premise is uh, that you, you want pluses in your life. You want to be uh, adding things uh, to society, yes. not being so negative. Exactly. How are, you, how are you doing that with your job? I know. Well, here's the deal. The, um, okay, so I, it was, I had been writing a, a book proposals on cancel culture, on social media. media. I did a, uh, a proposal on the unbending mind, which are when you run into people that refuse to change their mind. I had all these, these problems, but I had no solution. Meanwhile, I was trying to figure out, as I was stepping away from this prison of two ideas and this bifurcated political conflict, what can I do to make stuff better in my life? And, and a lot of it was like, okay, is what I'm about to do a plus or minus? That is the question I will ask before every single thing I do for maybe three weeks. I will sit there and like, before I send off a tweet, is this a plus or a minus? It's always almost a minus. Before I send a snarky email to a coworker, is that a plus or a minus? If I say, if I'm in a meeting and I want to pop off, is that a plus or a minus? Also on the five, is what I'm about to say to Jesse a plus or So I started doing that and now it's ingrained. Now I will say this, Glenn, most people might have this already. It's called impulse control, or it might be just plain <laughs> common sense. <laughs> but I felt that this I felt yeah. that this was a discipline, a discipline that added a top spin to my decision so, making. But how do you do that when you also require yourself to tell the truth? And just telling the truth in today's world is a minus for about yes. maybe sixty percent of the population. I wrote this book before the riots. I wrote this book before my entire neighborhood got looted. I live in, I live in downtown New York. Every street in my surrounding area was ravaged. It was assaulted in, in every single store. There was, and so what happened was so I was, was... So wait, 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 wait. It was just like extra love and peace? Yes, extra that love happened and to your, yeah, Okay, yeah, all, all right. right. Okay, so, good. So I'm, I, I tell my wife, it's Friday night. I go, Elena... Get out of the apartment. Meet me up. We have a we have a little cabin up north. Meet me up there. She goes, "No, Greg, I have to go to this birthday party. I have to go to this birthday party." I go, it's like, why do women have so many friends with birthday parties? We do not go to birthday parties. <laughs> so, so I go, I go, Lena. I go, Lena. This is way more important than your birthday party. And she goes, Greg, you're overreacting. And I go, well, do me a favor. Wherever you're going, just stay there tonight or whatever. Don't come up. Now this was Sunday night, so I'd left on Friday, and I was trying to get her to come up. So she said yes, but she lied to me. She actually came back to the to the apartment. On our street, every store was destroyed. Across the street, where she was hiding, she was hiding in our. We had scaffolding, and I think the scaffolding saved us because they didn't see where we lived, uh, so they didn't break any windows. She's watching, and across the street, this expensive store is being. She said she counted twelve times that they were looted. Crowds going in and going out like they were shopping. It was like being at an outlet store. People hitting. So my point mm. is, I'm writing this. I'm writing this affirmational, positive book, and I am in the lowest point of my life. I there's nothing positive I can say. I went out and I bought a gun for the first time in my life. I went bought a uh, a 
Ah, geez. What's the name of the 1301 tactical Beretta shotgun? Um, it's not for trap shooting, Glenn. And I, and I, but now the good, the, the, the positive is that I'm taking lessons. So I go up and I learn, I've, I've had three lessons in the last month, uh, on how to shoot a shotgun. And, and, uh, I know yeah. that that sounds silly to get lessons, but when you're a city boy no. like me who can't run a dishwasher, it's important that I, yeah. I, uh, practice. so my, so I'm, 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 I'm trying just to just remember, better, yeah. just remember when you load the shotgun, you, you load, uh, you load shot, then slug, then shot, then slug. That's the way to make sure nobody's messing with you. Tell me why. I don't get it. Okay, so you, you load a, you, when you have a shotgun, you load it with a shot so it, it has a big spread. But right, then right, your right. next shot is a slug. So uh, you and you do them rotate like that uh, for for home protection. Um, so your wife, um, I mean, did she know you were gay when you got married? <laughs> oh, because of my gun, my gun. No, because no, because people have said about you for a long time. They speculated that you were gay because you came out for gay rights, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You're not gay. Um, and she's. She's a Russian model. I mean, yes, uh, you're practically a, a real man's Donald Trump. Donald Trump yes. would not have a brick wall behind him. Uh, yes, it would be a gold right. brick wall. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. With little Faberge right. eggs. Oh, so, um, Elena, like Elena was a um, was the photo editor for Maxim in Moscow when I met her. And I was the editor in chief of uh, British Maxim. And we met on my first day of the job and her hotel room was next to mine. And I was like, "Ooh, who is this person? And then uh, and then we I'm not gonna, it took me three days to, like, convince her to even talk to me. But she already knew who I was because <laughs> Maxim, Maxim used to buy all my articles from Men's Health and, and other uh, other publications. So they knew who I was. I just didn't know that they knew who I was. So we had our first date in Paris. And then three months later, I proposed. But, you you know, what the thing is, I always got the um, I don't know why I got the 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 gay thing other than the fact that i have almost no interest in talking sports and uh i'm trying to think of what like i don't know what the cl the, the cliched stereotypes are for being called gay but i always took it as a compliment because it, it's like i i don't know what it, i i don't really know what it was i think i, I think it usually was used as a, as derogatory which is also really gross because it's always liberals. Right. You know, it's right. really weird. It's like, where did, right. so now, now, now it's okay. But anyway, um, right. Yeah. She, she was very disappointed to find out I was not dead. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, is she, cause she was born when, after the Berlin wall came down, I think. Um, so is she, so yeah, 81. Okay. So, so, okay. So she was aware of the Berlin wall and what life was yeah. like. Is she seeing things happening here that are concerning to her? Yes. Um, but okay. There are two, there are two sides to this. She thinks I'm overreacting to what's happening around us because she's seen worse. So she came from a communist country and she believes that America is the greatest country ever. And the freedom that she has, and she loves New. She's lived in cities. She loves New York. Blah 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 blah. And then, um, but then, there's another thing which she doesn't understand: the preoccupation with race um, and division. And she says, like, 
Elena, who's like, she's, I, I don't want to get into what she does for a living or anything like that. She goes like, I work with all sorts of people. None of these questions ever come up. And she goes, she doesn't, under, and I go like, I know Elena. I go, I, I, this is a, this is a, a phenomenon that happens to be a, a, in many ways, media and academia generated and, and pop culture yeah, it's, generated. It's critical. It's critical theory. It's Marxism, yes. critical theory. Yeah. I mean, it just, uh, just a way to she, take us apart. But it's not the Marxism she yeah. knows. It's, it's right. our Marxism. <laughs> it's, our, it's our academic Marxism. Isn't it crazy that we are living at a time where Marxism is being preached on the street? The guy mm. who is in the Oval Office is the ultimate capitalist, but he's married to a Russian whose nope. father was part of the Communist Party, and nobody even recognizes that. Maybe it's is crazy. Was she, so, was she was, is Slovenia? I guess is she Slovenian? And that's part of it. Or am I? I can't remember. Yeah, no, it was behind the iron. She was behind the iron yeah. curtain, uh, yeah, and I her father it. was was a party chief in whichever country she was from, um, yeah. and uh, and and was a, a hardcore communist. She's not, yeah. but he yeah. was, and nobody's even recognizing that she's an immigrant. She's an immigrant. We just elected a black guy whose name sounded like the guy we were all trying to kill, mm-hmm. and. And then we elect another guy who's married to somebody who was whose father was in the Communist Party, our biggest enemy, before we had the enemy that we were currently trying to kill. It's crazy. It's crazy. I think it's but it does say it does say how incredibly open minded we are. And so it, 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 it works. It works against all the criticisms ever. It's crazy. But I think if you read my book, it'll feel a lot better. Read my, you know, I think the book will change. It'll make you feel so much. You'll just calm you down. Look what it's done to me, Glenn. I'm so calm. <laughs> you're, you're, first of all, is that a real brick wall, or as a yes. comedian, do you have to have a fake brick 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 wall? That's real. This is my. It's that's my, a real but brick I do wall. Have, I do have the prop guitar. I've been learning guitar in, uh, in the uh, <laughs> so. Uh, Greg, it's always good to always good to talk to you. Uh, The name of the book is The Plus uh, by Greg Gutfeld and and uh, co-host of The Five. You're you're great. And uh, I have a question. One question for you. Will you do the GG show if I asked you if I'm publicly asking you? uh, uh, Yeah. You're allowed. Right. (laughs) Do I have to check? Well, let me ask. Let me ask me. Can I yes. do that? Yes. Okay. okay. I'm done. I'm going like that. Yeah. I'm like, no, yeah, because everybody that doesn't like you at Fox is gone now. So everything's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. There's some people that are like, there's a lot of, there's still a lot of people that are like, all right. Thank you. I, I appreciate wanna... that. <laughs> Greg, God bless. Uh, talk to you again. Thank you, buddy. Thanks so much. Just a reminder, I'd love you to rate and subscribe to the podcast and pass this on to a friend so it can be discovered by other people.